0: i'm meg doll your unbreakable
1: host welcome to the show everyone and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. I'm so excited to have you join me here this week for a brand new episode. This one is for all of my ladies, which I'm pretty sure is 100% of us. I'm not sure if we have any male listeners, but if we do, you might want to wait for my episode next week, or maybe you want to listen to what's normal and what's not normal for periods and the female menstrual cycle. It's very interesting stuff. And we actually have one of my favorite ladies on with me this week, Nicole Jardim, and she is also quite often referred to as the period whisperer and she also has a brand new book coming out you can pre-order it right now it's called fix your period and that's exactly what we're talking about this week actually is what's normal and what's not normal throughout your cycle and how to fix it i guess and as someone who has her period now, I receive a lot of questions about, Meg, is this normal? Is this normal? Is this not normal? That sort of thing. So I used this hour to pick Nicole's brain and ask her her opinion on on what's normal and what's not normal when it comes to our periods. So if you've ever wondered whether like the color of your bleed was normal or the length of your period or the heaviness of your period or blood clots or sore boobs or any of that sort of thing, I ask Nicole all about it. And speaking of what's normal and what's not normal, I can tell you one thing we don't go into detail in this episode, I can tell you what's not normal is migraines (laughs) leading up to your period. And I am just days away from my period. So day one of my cycle, my cycle is going to start back up again on day one in just a few days. And I got hit with a migraine on Monday night. And I can tell you, That is not normal. So, although I am so grateful to be getting my period, so, so grateful, I've been getting it every month since August, and I sometimes get migraines along with them. For the past two months, actually, I had a migraine right before my period. So ladies, this is not normal and this is something that I'm personally working on um, with in my own personal life and healing journey. So just for those of you who are interested in what I'm doing to heal, further heal heal my body, that is what I am up to. Um, So anyways, I am recording this on Tuesday afternoon. And I am just kind of taking a major self-care slash rest day after a not-so-fun Monday night with a migraine and all that comes with having a migraine. It was not fun, ladies. And I'm sure a lot of you can relate to that as well. So I'm working on it. But yeah, it was a very major self-care day for me today. I've just basically spent all day in my favorite recliner in the dark editing this show, doing just what I need to do for my business today and not really going above and beyond um, my necessary things. So I hope you all have had a better start to your week. And just a few notes for all of my listeners. I have created a, um, not a private group, but a Facebook group called the Unbreakable You Podcast Crew. And this is a group on Facebook that you can request to join and I'd love to have you. I will approve you upon request and this is just a place for us to have conversations beyond the podcast so I'm loving this group and we're over 100 members already I think we're close to 200 members so thank you everyone who has joined our Facebook group I'm loving it and like I said it just allows me to feel more connected to all of you so thank you so much for everyone who's joined And then a note for all of our members of the Nourish and Free Collective, we are hosting a green cleaning makeover this month, and we're basically walking you through your home. So last week was all about green clean (laughs) makeover-ing, that's not a word, green cleaning makeover in the kitchen. And now this week is all about make over, making over your bathroom with our favorite DIY recipes and simple swaps. So if you're a member of the Nourished Free Collective, make sure you jump into our Facebook group this week so you can learn all that we're sharing with you. And for the following weeks, we are going to be moving to other rooms within your home. So this is going on for the month of April and just um, providing you with extra tips and recipes and content throughout this month and helping you kind of make the most out of these quarantine days. So I hope everyone is doing well mentally, emotionally, and physically during these times. As you all know, I am always here for you. And if you need anything whatsoever, you can always reach out to me via email, hellomegdoll at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at I am Meg Doll. And yes, doll is spelled d-o-l-l and that is my real last name. I get asked that all the time. All right, so now on to date to today's episode with Nicole. You guys are going to love this and I'm awaiting my book Fix Your Period in the mail. I cannot wait for it to arrive. I think things have been somewhat delayed because of what we're going through right now. So I'm really eager for it to arrive. And once it does, I will be sharing more about it on Instagram. Hey, Nicole, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you on.
0: Hi, Meg. I am thrilled to be here. This is going to be so
1: fun seriously, we were just talking about how when you were on last, I mean, it wasn't even a year ago. It was in May of 2019. But for our listeners, if they want to circle back to that episode, it's episode 61. And you and I talk about birth control and kind of like the truth about birth control and just ways women can balance their hormones. But today we're diving into a new topic
0: oh we are girl
1: (laughs) everyone get ready I know and honestly I'm really excited I've been wanting to record an episode about like what a normal period looks like just because I get asked about this so often but with your new book out and everything like that you're just the perfect person
0: to join me for this topic for sure Thank you for saying that. I know. And also you have a period now, so that's something to be celebrating as well.
1: I do. And I guess, I mean, we did that episode in May. And then I ended up getting my period two months later. So I've had my cycle since August. And now I kind of have a feel of like what it's actually like to have a period because I mean, I didn't have a period since high school, which is crazy.
0: Wow. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. So I'm really, really excited to chat about this with you. But before we get started, do you have any updates for us?
0: Oh, you know, just a few. I mean, last year when I spoke to you, I was in the midst of the hell of writing a book. I do not recommend it, (laughs) at least not doing it the way I did. However, on the other side of that, I now have this incredible book baby, which is so, so exciting and I'm really thrilled to be putting it out into the world because like we've talked about before in the other episode, and really what I talk about more than anything is just this my underlying belief is that we really deserve to know this information about our bodies and our health and our menstrual cycles, because we can then live a really empowered life that is fully informed about how our bodies work and as a result, take much better care of ourselves. So yes, like I, you know, that's basically the gist of the message in the book. And then of course, I have a whole six week protocol in it so that it can, you know, so that you can start to really take charge of your period and the problems that you might be having that are related to your menstrual cycle.
1: Amazing. Okay. So your book is called Fix Your Period. So we're kind of taking some bits and pieces from that book today and really talking about like what's normal and what's not. Right. And so why is this topic? um, Why does this excite you talking about like what's normal and what's not?
0: I know. Can you feel my the energy? (laughs) I get I'm ridiculous. I feel like a kid in a candy shop sometimes when I get to talk about this stuff, because I think more than anything, first of all, I'm a Virgo. I really love to ask a lot of questions. You can ask my sister who I've had to spend the last four weeks with. She's just like, oh, you ask so many questions. But I really was always that way. And I remember when I was younger and I had horrible period problems, I was put on the pill to quote-unquote solve all those issues. And I remember going to many doctors after being on the pill for a number of years and having all of these symptoms. I, you know, I had chronic UTIs and yeast infections and my hair was falling out and I had gut health issues and my skin was a disaster and all the problems. Basically, I was the poster child for... Period well for period problems in the beginning and then for pill side effects after after the pill I was taking the pill. So like I just remember asking doctors a lot of questions, like, why is this happening to me? What can I do? There has to be a reason why this all of these symptoms are showing up. But nobody really had any answers for me. And that was a big pet peeve. And when I got into this work, I decided I was going to provide answers. Hence the reason this book is over 400 pages long <laughs> because I, it, it's ridiculous. I know, I put a lot of stuff in there, you guys, <laughs> just so you know, because I really, really want us to be able to answer the questions that we have about our bodies. Namely, why is XYZ period problem happening to me? And then giving, you know, giving you informed consent so that you can make a decision about how to fix the problem or heal it.
1: Yes. And it's just so empowering to just like be working in partnership with your body. And I think so many of us as women, I mean, this was my case growing up. I just like felt like I really didn't understand what was happening every month. You know, when I was in high school getting my period, I just like didn't understand. And I also didn't understand the importance of
0: having a period either. (laughs) <laughs> no kidding. I, I don't know about you, but I was totally that girl. If I went to the doctor, I would just say to them, Oh yeah, I don't know. I, or I would say I would make up a date for my last period or I would just not, because I, I would never know. And they always seemed like, so they expected me to have this date and just pull it out of wherever, I don't know, thin air. And so I always just made things up about what was going on with my cycle because I had no idea. I was completely clueless and not at all interested because nobody had ever made it sound interesting or fun. Right. And it
1: is so fun. Okay, so (laughs) let's (laughs) dive in, because honestly, I find this stuff so fascinating. I just went through like the ovulation phase and now I'm moving closer to getting my period again and I just love knowing all of this stuff it just makes me feel so good and like so at home in my body so why don't we kind of dive into some questions so Mm -hmm. um maybe some of the most common questions that I get about like what's normal and what's not normal Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So one common question is that I know when my period is coming, I start feeling a little bit tired and kind of like more um, kind of like withdrawn from like the outside world. And I start turning inward a little bit more. Um, Would you say that that is a part of like
0: the normal cycle? Oh yes, I definitely would. And I think it's so great for all of us to know that we are not going to be the same every single week of our cycle or, you know, during every single phase. There is such a, a massive hormonal fluctuation happening throughout your cycle that it actually changes your physical and emotional Health, like you actually start to change. We often joke that you're a different person every week of your cycle. And while that's not necessarily the case, it is to some degree because in the luteal phase of your cycle, that, that, that last part of your cycle before in the lead up to getting your period, what everyone should know is that you've now ovulated so that egg has been released from the follicle on your ovary, it's now traveling through the fallopian tube into or so that it can get to the endometrium in your uterus and implant. If that's, you know, going to be the case, if it was fertilized, that is, Um, if it was not fertilized, then it will just, you know, it'll continue to travel hoping to be fertilized and then it will eventually disintegrate if it's not. But that phase of your cycle lasts somewhere around 11 to 17 days and usually somewhere between 10 and 14 for most of us. And the length is just determined by uh, how long that little follicle that the egg came from is you know, going to be pumping progesterone out. So progesterone is the hormone that dominates the second half of your cycle. And progesterone definitely has this inward effect. It turns you back into yourself rather than making you external and, and outwardly focused like estrogen and testosterone would do in the first half of your cycle. So if you do feel that way, if you do feel tired, if you do feel a little introverted, like you don't want to leave the house or you just need more alone time. Um, or, you know, you just want to be, you know, you want to hang out with one person versus hanging out with a bunch of people like a a party type group know that that's all really normal and that it has so much to do with progesterone rising and testosterone and estrogen dropping from that first half of your cycle.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So Mm. I knew that was normal. (laughs) Um, but, (laughs) I just wanted to hear your take on that. And it's just so cool. I love what you said about, like, we're kind of a different person every single week of our cycle. And I totally feel that. Much to the dismay of the men in the world. (laughs) Yeah, right? I don't... They just definitely don't get it at all. No. (laughs) Okay. So kind of talking about this, you said it's normal to kind of feel like a different person, like every week of your cycle. Right. So I've heard from women that sometimes like they have no idea when their period's coming and then it just happens. And it's really great because they have zero symptoms. Right. Mm -hmm. But I know when my period's coming every single time because I know when I ovulated and I know like basically how many days after I ovulate my period comes. So what would you kind of say about that? Like, is it, should you kind of like have an idea of when your period's coming or should you be having like absolutely zero, no symptoms? Um, which one would that be?
0: You know, it's really interesting because I think that it just depends. And I always want whoever I encounter to start to learn about their own unique cycles and their own bodies, because I think that it really just depends on you. It depends on your genetics, your lifestyle, your current life circumstances, your nutrition, all of it. And for some women, they really don't notice They don't really have any remarkable symptoms, and then their period just sneaks up on them. And I've had a lot of women go through my programs and say that, you know, two, three months in. They say something along the lines of, I used to have terrible PMS. And this month I got my period and didn't even notice and or didn't notice it was coming because I didn't have any symptoms. And what a lot of the time, what that really means is they didn't have symptoms that disrupted their lives. And that's really what I am aiming for for all of my clients is that you don't want to have symptoms that are disrupting your day-to-day living. And that goes for period pain and it also goes for PMS symptoms or anything else that is associated with your menstrual cycle, the idea is that you, you your period should not be the absolute bane of your existence. <laughs> and even though I know it is for many of us, but ultimately, if you are in that time, in that luteal phase, so that like 7 to 10 days before your period, and you're noticing... Massive PMS symptoms like your moods are all over the place. Your partner doesn't know whether happy you or angry you is going to walk in the door, (laughs) or you know everyone at work is just driving you absolutely bananas, and you feel you feel like you're on the edge. You feel like you're going to break down. You're very anxiety driven right now. You're you feel like you have multiple meltdowns where you're crying. All of these symptoms, to me, are just indicative of something else. Like something else is definitely going on, and it's really, it's so important for us to pay attention to this, right? Because like your menstrual cycle is information. All all phases of it, whether that's the your period itself, or ovulation, or lack thereof, or the lead up to your period, all this all these symptoms are are information. For you, You're, they're telling you that something might not be quite right, or they're telling you things are just fine, depending on the severity of the symptoms. And so I just think that it really just depends. And I would just encourage everyone to pay attention to those symptoms. Are they, are they interrupting you? Are they making your life feel more difficult, feel more challenging? And if they are, then it, it's, it's a good idea to start paying attention to them and making a note of them whether that's in an app or on a calendar or anything like that, so that you can really correlate what symptoms you're experiencing to what phase in your cycle you're in. Because... Dr. Christiane Northrup says this in her book, Women's Bodies and Women's Wisdom. She talks about this idea that in the premenstrual time, the veil between the worlds of the seen and the unseen is much thinner, which I love because progesterone is like that. It'll do that to your brain. It'll tell you when you know stuff isn't working in your life. And when... When that veil is thinner, you start to see things more clearly than you did two weeks ago when estrogen was rose-tinted. Estrogen was making your life amazing, and so we start to see things in a much in a in a clearer light. And as a result it's almost like the decks are cleared, right? You're, you're not being blinded by estrogen anymore and you're starting to examine what's working and what's not working. And it'll trigger those symptoms. And so I think that that's really what it comes down to. Can we, can we dig a little bit deeper just beyond those symptoms that we're experiencing and maybe try and pay attention to why we might have them in the first place? Right, right. Okay, so kind
1: of what you're saying is like, if someone's getting period cramps, and it's really debilitating them, like that would be something worth investigating, right? Yes. But um, what about like mild kind of like you're still able to go throughout your day type of cramps before your period? Is that normal? It's,
0: this is such a great question, and I think if there was ever something that was fully normalized in society, it would be period pain, which is so crazy to me, as you know, because uh, why is it that uterine pain is, a, is not a problem, but when you hurt your ankle or your back, that means that there's something wrong? It's very strange, right? That, <laughs> that a certain type of pain is, is totally normal. But other types of pain isn't. Yeah, that's such a great way to put it. Yeah, it's crazy. When you think about, I mean, I have had multiple women come to me over the years saying things along the lines of, I, my doctor didn't take my period pain seriously. I have ended up in the ER multiple times because of it and just given, been given a painkiller and sent on my way without any further examination. I've been laughed at. I've been kicked out of doctor's offices. I've been told that it's all in my head. I've been told to take an antidepressant. I could go on and on. And I bet that many of your listeners can relate to something along these lines because it's true. It And I said this you know, on a podcast interview I was just on a little while ago, this idea that We so much of our menstrual cycle related problems have been so normalized by our society Generally speaking that we don't even realize we have a problem to begin with which is why on the cover of my book I listed out a whole bunch of problems because we really don't like you said so many women are asking you is this normal and when it comes to period pain I would say that If you have to take more than two ibuprofen, so regular strength ibuprofen, or if that pain is interrupting you in some way, whether it's stopping you from going to school or to work, or when you get to school or work, you're kind of doubled over and you can't really function or focus, or it's disrupting some other area of your life, then you definitely need to start to dig a little bit deeper and figure out what could be going on. Because really anything more than two ibuprofen's worth of pain or just some mild cramping that you can deal with shouldn't, it should be looked at further. Okay,
1: great to know. And I actually just had this conversation with a good friend of mine over lunch the other day and we were talking about sore boobs. And I feel like (laughs) this is like the only symptom that I actually get leading up to my period is I will get sore boobs for like the week leading up to my period and so does she and she was like is that normal Meg? And I was like I don't know it's normal (laughs) for me but I feel like um, kind of any symptom is kind of telling us a little bit more of a story.
0: I think so. I really think it is. When you think about estrogen and progesterone, so think of estrogen as the builder hormone. So it's going to support your, it's going to grow hips and it's going to grow your uterine lining and it's going to stimulate your breast tissue to grow. Whereas progesterone has a a more, um, let's see, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, It will it it will basically do the opposite of what estrogen is doing. Essentially, it'll smooth things out, but it's not going to contribute to the growth. It's really going to check estrogen and keep it in, keep it in its place. So progesterone is the is very protective for breast tissue, protective of the uterus, um, from uterine cancer, things like that. And when we have too much estrogen in relation to our progesterone, we tend to have more uh, breast pain and uh, more fibrocystic breasts, and then more of that like lumpy breast tissue that a lot of us complain about. So, that's really what I have found usually is happening. And it's not necessarily a terrible thing. If your boobs hurt a little bit, it's to me, that's not a big deal. Again, it's about gauging whether this is, you know, where you touch your boobs and they kind of hurt a little bit, or you can't even touch them or you can't wear a bra or, uh, you know, if you even like, you know, Push them up against something. You're in excruciating pain, which is the case for, uh, you know, a number of the clients I've worked with over the years. So that's where you know I think you can gauge. But I would say that usually it's a sign of that estrogen being dominant over progesterone. And what I mean when I say that is that these two hormones are kind of like sister hormones. They work in tandem with each other. So one does one thing, the other does the other thing. So they can't really work without each other. But estrogen. Tends to become dominant over progesterone because we live in a society where we are perpetually stressed. Our diets are not great, so that feeds estrogen. And then we are also bombarded by xenoestrogens or fake. Estrogen, estrogen estrogen-like compounds that will mimic estrogen in the body, making you feel as if you're even more estrogen dominant um, than you might be. So there, and then also we're also bombarded by the fact, or by the issues of you know things like chronic stress that might prevent us from ovulating and making enough progesterone to balance out the estrogen in our bodies. So there are multiple factors that contribute to this, uh, this estrogen-progesterone imbalance. But that's usually, like I said, what would underlie boobs hurting you (laughs) during the second half of your cycle
1: okay that totally makes sense and yeah mine's about like the week leading up to and it's to the point where like I can like push on them and be like okay they're tender I think my period's coming type thing yes Um, so that's what it's like for me um but Okay, that's really great to know. And what about like the heaviness of a period? Because now that I've been having my period since August, I've definitely experienced several and they're all pretty consistent, but I've had, I think maybe like one or two that have been more on the lighter side. So is it like normal to experience Fluctuations in like the heaviness
0: of a period. Oh, yeah, totally. And again, like that will certainly come back to what's been happening that month or the previous months in the lead up to that particular period. For some, if they haven't bled in a long time, they might have a super, super heavy period, whereas others might not. And it de- so it depends on a couple of different things. I think the first is it depends on our diet. It depends on our genetics as well, because some of us, are prone to more of that estrogen dominance because, like I was saying, estrogen builds that uterine lining up, and if there isn't enough progesterone as a stopgap, estrogen can just kind of keep going, and you can end up with a really thick uterine lining, and as a result, would have you'd have a heavy period. So here's the deal with with how much you should be bleeding or how much blood loss is considered normal, because I think that there's a lot of variation out there, and it can be really confusing for people. So what I say is, I mean, what's, you know, what's in the literature, which again, is hard to really kind of figure out because it's very hard to measure menstrual blood. (laughs) There's a a lot of stuff in it. It's not just blood. It's actually, you know, it's uterine tissue, it's uh, clots, it's other fluids. So there's multiple, multiple pieces that played a role in like how much you actually lose every month. So usually it's somewhere around like an average blood loss is somewhere around 60 milliliters, six, zero. So I ask everyone to just fill up a measuring cup so you can see what that looks like. And it's, which is not a lot. It's really actually quite small. And then the average range for the most part is um, 35 to 50 milliliters. So it's 60 or less usually. And then 35 to 50 is the average range for, for women. Um, But there is a much wider range. Of course, some women might lose just, 10, 15, 20 milliliters, or others may lose up to 200 milliliters. It really just depends on multiple uh, factors. And so how I ask women to pay attention to this is to pay attention to how many times they're changing pads or tampons and how soaked they are. So a regular tampon or a pad Holds about five milliliters, which is really just a teaspoon of blood. Keep in mind that when we are changing pads and tampons, we usually don't wait to fill it at all, right? We just will change depending on how comfortable we are or if whether it's leaking or not. And so that's the that's the thing We don't really know how much we're losing specifically. So anyway, the point is is that, what you really want to do is pay attention to what all you know first of all how many pads and tampons you're going through but know that you don't always fill them. And then secondly, how often you're changing. So if you are using pads or tampons, which most people are, then you would wanna, you'd want to you'd want to pay attention to if you're changing them more than every hour, especially in the first three to four days of your period, and just see if that's happening or not. That's usually a sign that you're bleeding too much. And I think the other signs as well are the fact that Many times we have to get up at the, in the middle of the night and change our period protection. So if you're getting up in the middle of the night, that's another sign. If you have to put a towel on top of your bed so that you don't leak through. If you are doubling up on period protection during the day or at night where where you're using a tampon and a pad or a menstrual cup and period underwear, but you're doubling up, that's also a sign too if you tend to have overflow accidents To me, that indicates that there's, you know, too much blood loss. And also if you're anemic, that's that's also one of the things that you might that might indicate that you're losing too much blood. And then on the flip side, there is obviously situations where we don't lose enough. And that's often a sign of either you're not ovulating or you're just not making enough estrogen, like your estrogen isn't reaching the threshold it needs to reach in order to build up you're lining enough to lose a substantial amount of blood. And so what I find is that if you're losing less than 25 milliliters, or you're just changing you know, less than five pads or tampons per cycle for your whole cycle, that might mean too that maybe you're not ovulating, like I said, or your estrogen is just not building up where it's supposed to be. And you just have a super light period. And I also, I always say that if you, have been, uh, you know, if you've always been this way and you feel fine, that's great. (laughs) But if you have noticed these symptoms or these issues coming on over months or over a couple of years, then usually that's, that means there's something, something's going on with with your hormones. Basically
1: like fluctuations and heaviness is normal to like fluctuate from one period to the next, but kind of just keep an eye on things. And there's definitely kind of like a normal range. And when periods are heavier, then that's something to investigate. And then when periods are, like you said, if you're not even using like five pads throughout your entire cycle, then you might want to look into that as well.
0: Yeah, I think that what it comes down to, and I know you know this, but it comes back to the fact that if you are not ovulating, so meaning that you are on some form of hormonal birth control, and because that's that's the mechanism by which that works, it turns off your ability to ovulate. And if ovulation is not occurring, then you are likely not going to, first of all, you're not having a real period because if ovulation doesn't occur, then that means that your period is just a withdrawal bleed, a hormone withdrawal bleed. And as a result, uh, none of the the phases that we've been talking about and really none of none of the processes that are supposed to happen in a regular menstrual cycle are happening. So all that's happened is that's been turned off and the hormones that are in the pills that you've been given are now dominating and dictating what your body does. And so you're essentially infertile because you're not, you're not having ovulation on a consistent basis, which is again, the goal of the pill. That's the point of it. And as a result, you're not having a real period. So if you are, and so that's one scenario. But if you're not ovulating for other reasons, which I know you're f- very familiar with, then uh, that you know will also lead to potentially lead to not you know not getting a period or having a bleed, but just having an anovulatory bleed.
1: Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So awesome.
0: So I do
1: have another question about like the length of the bleed. What do you Mm -hmm. think is normal when it comes to like, how many days should we be bleeding?
0: Uh, I know. How long should my period be? It's, (laughs) I know. Do you not have like a blog post about this? (laughs) I think I probably do. Yes. I think I do. It's something along the lines of like two, three, four or five days. So it is, it is interesting because this is another thing that I think depends, which is the most annoying answer in the whole world. I know, but I will say that what I like to see and what's considered to be the norm is somewhere between three and seven days. And the four to five day range is pretty much the statistical average for the most part. And the idea here is that you're... You know, you, first of all, like we were just saying, you want to make sure that you're ovulating. And if you're not ovulating, the way to know that or the way to determine whether you are or are not ovulating is to track your cycle, which we can get into. But when it comes to the bleeding side of things, so if you're bleeding more than eight days, so eight days are longer that's usually a sign of a heavier period. Whereas if you're bleeding less than three days, so two days or less, or you're just spotting, or the blood is like really scanty and it looks kind of pinkish, that's often a sign again of low levels of estrogen. And you know this is becomes even more obvious if you are experiencing other symptoms associated with low estrogen, things like painful sex or a low sex drive, or um, what else, like joint pain and headaches and mood issues. So all of those are are signs of low estrogen and a shorter period. Would, would be indicative of that. And then, like I said, for the longer periods or the heavier periods, then that is often a sign of that estrogen is too high in relation to progesterone imbalance that I tend to see. Also, I should say, our thyroids are so intricately connected to our periods. And right? Oh my gosh. Low thyroid function is just... It's epidemic right now among women. And it is, it's a key player in heavy, long, painful periods. And so I really do just want to bring that up in case anyone has suspected that. If you have symptoms that are related to your thyroid, for instance, uh, dry straw-like hair or dry skin, brittle nails, you feel cold all the time, um, you have anxiety, or and you do experience painful or heavy or long periods that's often a sign that maybe there's something up with your thyroid and I highly recommend getting tested. So really, like I said, three to seven days is, is certainly the norm. But I also say if you've always had a two day period and you're rocking life, then just go on with your bad self because truly it's, it's one of those things that you've got to start to equate what, what's normal for you versus what the statistics say.
1: Right, exactly. Okay, that's awesome. And you did bring up two more questions for me, actually, <laughs> while you were talking. You brought up blood clots. Can we talk about those? Normal, oh, yes, not normal, can. reasons why?
0: <laughs> yes, definitely. And you will you will certainly find those when you have heavier periods. And in fact, they really are a sign of, of having heavier periods. And so I would say that when you have clots that are an inch long or bigger, then that's, that's often a sign of too much blood loss. Like it's, it's, con- it's connected to the heavy period issue. But yes, I, I always ask everyone to look for clots that are an inch bigger. An inch or longer. And if you do have those, then that really does, to me, that comes back again to that estrogen progesterone issue. I feel like everyone's seeing a trend here, <laughs> but also that, you know, what else is happening? Are there nutrient deficiencies? Is there blood stagnation? Is your uterus. Uh, you know is it tilted is it tipped um, is it not in the right position so that blood can leave properly is blood pooling are you perpetually sitting down and not and not exercising is are there blood flow problems happening within that pelvic region so that's why uh, you know the the blood clot, Uh, thing is not just about estrogen, it can be a more structural issue as well. But I always ask everyone to just look out for if they're any bigger than an inch, then that could be indicative of any of those issues that I just described. Okay, awesome.
1: And then something else you brought up was color. And you Mm -hmm. said, you know, you mentioned kind of like a very light pinky color. But then I know periods can also be like really, really dark, um, kind of like almost like brownish color. So do you want to talk about the different colors and kind of maybe what they mean or what we're kind of aiming for?
0: Oh, yes. Because there is a lot of stress around what your period blood should look like. I feel as though I hear that a lot. And they, you know, a lot of the time I hear something about, you know, dark brown or black, even or almost like a purple color. And women are like, what the hell is this, Nicole? And so I will never forget. I was talking on Instagram, I don't know, sometime last year about period panties and the fact that I really love them and someone asked me do do period panties work for uh the you know the bulky smashed blood clot type periods and i was just like oh my gosh that's a whole other conversation to have but the point is is that you know she was she went on to say that her period was super super dark looked like blueberry type color it was just really dark and it Um, and I was saying, you know, I was explaining to her that that actually isn't something that's normal, even though she'd never really been told that. And I think that's the problem, right? There's a lot of anxiety because we don't really know what, what is the norm and what isn't and and what's acceptable and what isn't. So when you think about the fact that your menstrual fluid consists of endometrial tissue, it consists of red blood cells, other fluids, Then you kind of have an idea that it can be, it could potentially be different colors. And so I like to see a period start off with a saturated red color. I feel like there are a wide range of reds that your period can be. And, you know, from everything, from, cherry to crimson to rose colored like I don't think that it should be fire engine red I don't think it needs to be bright like the blood that if you were to prick your finger it doesn't necessarily need to be that but it needs to be a red color like I like to see that if it's If it's brown or very dark, usually that's a sign of slower moving blood. And you're going to see that at the beginning and the end of your cycle. So if it's a little bit darker red at the beginning or end, that's not a big deal. And even if it was a little brown mixed in with the red again, not something to freak out about, but when it's like really dark brown or almost black or dark blue, and it's got that pasty type of texture, that's definitely a sign of that slow, slow moving blood. And it's blood that's been exposed to more oxygen because when you think about it, you get a cut on your hand or something, oxidized blood just gets darker. It's almost congeals in a way. And uh, so there's, there's that. And the slow moving blood often... What I have found in my experience and just talking to other practitioners is that it comes from having a a tipped uterus or a uterus that's flexed. And that can slow down the flow of your blood that's leaving your uterus, and then it becomes that browner and browner in color. And oftentimes, Women tell me that doctors say that it's it's okay, there's nothing to worry about. But I, you know, I think that it's something that we should consider addressing. And again, this is oftentimes a physical issue. So it's a malposition of your uterus, and it's just harder for it to expel all the blood. So you might see brown blood spotting from a previous cycle at the beginning of your next cycle. And so that really requires you to work with. First of all, to get a diagnosis, do you have some kind of uterine malposition issue? And that would require you working with a, a pelvic floor physical therapist, a vis- visceral manipulation therapist, or maybe even a certified R.Vigo therapist. They do my abdominal massage therapy. So someone who's trained to to work with the pelvic region and make sure that your uterus is in the position it's supposed to be in. Okay. That's all so great to know. Yes, you're welcome. I will say too, for anyone who maybe can't do that, I would, I would consider uh, vaginal steaming. I would also consider castor oil packs. When you get blood flow to that area, you're also bringing nutrients to that area. And that's going to change what your blood looks like too. So when we're, we're, first of all, when we're eating better, which is part of what I have been promoting for years and you too, then that will, that will certainly help. And then when you're bringing blood flow to your pelvic region, that's going to deliver those nutrients. And it certainly seems to change things around. At least that's been my experience over the years. Amazing. Yes.
1: And you mentioned castor oil packs, man, those things are so great for so many different reasons, aren't they?
0: (laughs) They're the best. I seriously, I've been doing them for years. And in fact, I just did them on the last cycle that I had because I was like, I haven't done these in a while. Let's see what happens. And I, you know, I think that when it comes to these home remedy type things. Maybe we don't realize how powerful they can be, but what I have found with castor oil packs, and for anyone who doesn't really know what that is, you're essentially just sort of spreading castor oil all over your lower abdomen, over your reproductive organs. You can use it over your liver as well. And you're, placing a, a hot water bottle over... Well, you're placing a piece of flannel over the castor oil and then a hot water bottle on top and laying there for about 15 to 30 minutes, depending on how long you want to be there for. And you do that a few times a week in the you know, lead up to your period or in the first half of your cycle or in the second half, but not during your period... And what can happen is, again, that brings a lot of, of blood flow to the area. It's super healing. It can break up scar tissue. It can do all kinds of amazing things. And again, I don't even really know what the research or the science is behind all of that. But I do know that I've seen amazing anecdotal results from clients over many, many years of, of doing castor oil packs consistently.
1: That's awesome. So you mentioned anytime during your period, except when you're actually like... I mean, anytime during your cycle, except when you're actually like on your period, do you have a favorite time to do it like before or after?
0: Yeah. You know, I find that I, I, the last cycle I did, I actually did it throughout the, the, follicular phase and ovulatory phase. So I did about three times a week for the first half of my cycle and then in the, and then in the luteal phase. So probably up until like maybe three or four days before my period was due. Like I said, I was just experimenting. I was like, Hmm, I don't know. What will this do this time around? Let's see. And, um, and for me, my blood flow has been Has been going down as as I've gotten older. My period is shortening, which is interesting because that can happen as part of going into perimenopause. And um, all right, I don't know. Maybe it'll lengthen the my period. And my period was like probably about half a day longer this time around. So I thought it was really interesting. I know a lot of people aren't interested in making their periods longer, but I know a few of them are. And um, a lot of the time, too, women report back and say that their periods were. Um, periods that were lighter are now heavier, which is for some, that's what they want. Um, for others, they have said that their period pain has reduced significantly. So there are you know multiple results that one might have. But I would say a couple of times a week in the, any of the phases of your cycle, except when you're bleeding, because it can actually cause you to bleed more. So we definitely don't want that. And it's actually, I have a full guide, a completely revamped guide actually in as a bonus for the book. So if you purchase the book, you will get that regardless. You'll get it when you purchase the book, no matter whether it's now or six months from now, because it's, it's just something I mention in the book as well.
1: That's awesome. Okay. So now that I've picked your brain for like nearly... (laughs) 45 minutes. Let's talk a little bit about your book and where we can get our hands on it and things like that.
0: Yes. So, when I created this, I felt so strongly that not only did I want to provide answers for people, like I said, the Virgo tendency of asking all the questions and needing needing proper answers, but also I wanted to provide a protocol because that was what I was seeing was lacking for from in so many different books that, you know, there wasn't like a specific step-by-step protocol for people to do to actually start addressing the foundational problems that contribute to all of the period problems that we have currently right now that many of us experience. So that's what I created. So the first half of the book is all about education. It's telling you all... It's going into way more detail, actually, in what I just talked about over the last 45 minutes. And then in the second half, we jump into a six-week protocol where I tackle food, and blood sugar balancing, as well as gut health, liver health, stress, and thyroid. So I'm looking at each of those factors and how they contribute to whatever issue you're dealing with. Because at the end of the day, hormones become imbalanced, periods go crazy, and it it might look different for each of us. One of us might lose our periods. Another one of us might just get super heavy long periods. But ultimately the root causes are the same. And those are the the six weeks that... Or those are what is covered in the six weeks. And you can find it at fixyourperiod.com. I made it super easy for everybody. Uh, you could just buy there. And then once you enter your receipt information on that page, then I will send you a whole host of bonuses before the first week of May when, um, those bonuses disappear. So you'll get my 14 day program. Um, you will get a workbook that accompanies the book, all of the bonus handouts, as well as the first chapter actually for free right now.
1: That's amazing. Okay. So I will include everything in the show notes. Thank you okay. so much, Nicole. Thank
0: you. Oh, you're so welcome, Meg. Thank you so much for having me. This was really great. Hopefully it was helpful for everyone.
1: Oh, yeah. I know there's going to be big takeaways for everyone listening right now. Sweet. Thank you so much. You're welcome back anytime, girl. (laughs) Thank you so much. I appreciate that.